Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. As I told you earlier, we will be hearing from President Donald Trump just after 2 o'clock. He will be delivering a press conference live from the Rose Garden in Washington, D.C. Looking forward to that. Not sure exactly what the topic of conversation will be during today's press conference by the president, but you will hear it here on KSL News Radio just after 2 o'clock. Uh, right now, though, I want to turn my attention to a, a theme, another theme that we've discussed over time here on this program, and it is the idea of hindsight. We don't yet have 2020 hindsight with regard to the coronavirus. You know, a, a year from now, two years, 10 years from now, we will be able to look back and objectively analyze our behavior and the way that we have responded to mitigate the spread of this virus, how our lives have been so interrupted, how so much of the, so much of the prosperity and jobs that we've grown over the past decade have in an instant been nearly wiped out. There will come a day where we will be able to look back and objectively answer the question, did we get it right? Did we do the right thing? Did we make the right choices? Did we give up the appropriate amount of prosperity? There are some studies, though, that are getting us closer to that 2020 hindsight. I'll point out we're not yet there. It's not conclusive. But we're getting a, an understanding of things a little better than we had a month ago or two months ago. Joining me on the line is Dr. Mobley. Dr. Stephen Mobley, a friend of mine, MobleyMD.com, to help us sort through these studies and what we're continuing to learn day by day. Doctor, how are you? I'm doing great today, Lee. Uh, good to be with you, and uh, hopefully we can enlighten your listeners with some of the latest uh, information on the COVID-19. 100%, absolutely. What has had your attention on this front? Well, I think there was this interesting study that uh, I saw come around social media. For people that may have seen this in their news feed, it was from a news source called PubMed. Now, PubMed may not be a household name for a lot of people as much as, say, you know, Time Magazine or the New York Times, but PubMed is basically an online repository of all major published medical journals. So this was an article published from a Chinese study where they had one uh, patient who was COVID positive, like tested positive, mm -hmm. but was asymptomatic, and they did the, they did the contact tracing. And to give you some scale of how complex contact tracing can be, this one person, they were able to identify 455 different contacts between hospital staff, family members, and other patients that were near the patient in the hospital setting. So uh, pretty amazing to see what, what, that one person can be affected, could affect up to 455 people around them. 
And what was uh, among those 455 contacts when the the results of the contact tracing were complete? What, what, what was discovered? Yeah, that's the fascinating thing. So 455 people from one person, and basically they called it a zero infection for this one case. So they looked even at details of 35 different patients that were located within a few meters of the actual patient when they were in the hospital. Uh, they looked at uh, over 200 of the hospital staff members that they had identified would have been in, in close proximity to this individual. And so in this one case where it's an asymptomatic person, so they don't have any symptoms, they don't have cough, don't have fever, none of that is going on, but they, if, you, if you swab their nose like we're doing here in Utah, it comes back positive, shows you that the virus is in their body, in their respiratory system. Basically, in this situation, one person, 455 contacts, no one else tested positive. Now, it's an anecdotal report because it's one person. It's not like they studied hundreds, but it may lead to believe that they're the asymptomatic person out there. If they don't have the symptoms, if they're not coughing and sneezing on you, maybe your chance of getting COVID are much lower than we thought maybe even, you know, four to six weeks ago. The hindsight, as, as you say. Yeah. As time has marched on, at least the past three months or so, and you and I have attempted to become experts at this whole coronavirus deal and the, the scientists in the labs have looked at things and the health department leaders have handed down advice, uh, we are starting to learn that maybe what we thought was the case some time ago is not exactly the case. Children are not as contagious as we once thought. If this anecdote proves to be true, then the asymptomatic are not as contagious as we once thought. Uh, you shared with me another article that uh, it comes from a CDC announcement uh, addressing kind of a, a new understanding about how easily spread is the coronavirus on surfaces. You know, there was, uh, you know, everywhere you looked for a while, there was uh, some sanitizer spray and some paper towels there to spray off doorknobs and any surface that might be repeatedly touched. If you walk around downtown Salt Lake, you'll see that at all the at all the intersections where you would otherwise push the button to get the light to change, uh, there's tape over that saying, hey, to prevent the spread of coronavirus, maybe don't touch this. W what's the mm -hmm. CDC saying now? Yeah, the interesting thing, I think this was reported first. It might have been the New York Post that came out with this. I think the CDC sort of did this kind of a little bit, uh, you know, on the down low, we could say. They didn't make a big press conference about it. But if you go to their website and you look at ways that you can possibly get coronavirus, it's now saying, quote, unquote, from their website, does not spread easily through touching surfaces or objects, which is almost exactly the opposite of what, we're, what we were being told, say, back in March. Now, taking that a step further, it's still, it's not so much the contact with the surface. It's not maybe the, the groceries you picked up at the store or touching the top of the table surface. It all goes back to washing your hands. So when you touch something, wash your hands before you bring your hands near your mouth, eyes, nose. It just kind of makes sense. We've all been hearing that now for several months. But it may not be as contagious on surfaces, which, again, is completely opposite of what we're being told just as short as maybe eight weeks ago. So once again, and as you're saying, in the hindsight, more data comes out and the, uh, the science changes rapidly when it comes to COVID-19. This is a personal question I want to ask you. When we do have the hindsight, when we are able to look back at this with 2020 vision and analyze it objectively, there will be some, we will have made mistakes. I think that's inevitable. We will, we will be able to point uh, at some of our behaviors and say, yeah, we didn't quite get that one right. Maybe we sacrificed too much there. But there will be those who say, okay, but what if we were right and it did save? That would have been worth it, and we didn't know yeah. then. Is that yeah. worth it to you? Yeah, I think it's a tough call. I mean, I think if you look at some of the countries that have done exceptionally well, like South Korea, 
a lot of those countries just have a natural culture where they put on their masks when they just have the common cold or the common mm-hmm. flu. And so maybe, you know, what we've learned from all this is while we all kind of feel silly the first time we do it, you know, putting that mask on maybe isn't that big of an inconvenience. And if that spreads the spread, if that reduces the spread of respiratory virus, maybe that's worth it. That might be one of the things that we might mm-hmm. learn in hindsight was a good choice. The idea that we all just sat inside for two months and caused a lot of distress to economics and small business, maybe that'll be looked at as maybe not the best choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see. You know, we'll see what, what the fall brings. Uh, people that follow this kind of stuff can continue to watch Sweden. They seem to have a higher than average death rate compared to most of Europe and America. Not horrifically so, but higher. But we'll see what happens with them in the fall. Maybe they'll do much better in the fall than the rest of us. So, you know, the last chapter of this story is yet to be written, but it's it's good to keep perspective. We'll leave it at that. Dr. Mobley, it's always good to speak with you. Lee, I appreciate your time, and uh, you do a great show, and you do a great service to the people of Utah. It's always a pleasure to tune in. That's very kind of you to say. Dr. Stephen Mobley, MobleyMD.com, a good friend of mine who uh, offers great perspective, as he and I have this occasion each week to chat about uh, studies and different developments on the coronavirus front. We're going to take a break now, get some news. When we come back, it is expected that President Donald Trump will be delivering remarks live from the Rose Garden. We'll broadcast them here on KSL News Radio.